here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes, episode 179. Or maybe it shouldn't really be an official episode. Uh, for those who have been following on Twitter, at Shake Them Ropes, we've had some struggle or struggles, uh, some trouble and struggles, some struggles, finding some time to record. Jeff and I having a uh, hard time getting together. Mostly my fault. Not really Jeff's fault. Jeff was uh, traveling yesterday. I've still been in the process, uh, as some of you may know if you follow on Twitter. Uh, we've kind of briefly mentioned it on the show over over the last couple of weeks. I've had a really fun time moving. And by fun time, I mean horrible time. Uh, I've, been, I've been moving about an hour and a half away from where I've been living the last couple of years. And it's been a an interesting experience to say the least. And then of course, after this whole move started and has still gone on trying to get all of our stuff from one place to the other with, with work schedules and, and, you know, schedules of recording this show and, and different schedules and different logistics. It's, there have been some things that have also popped up in the middle of it that have been both interesting and good things, but, Things that have made me made me think about different stuff and and not so much about this show or, or life in general. I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, this it's the biggest deal ever, but it's been it's been uh life changing stuff. Uh maybe for the better, maybe not, who knows? Uh but there's been different some there's been some opportunities that have been presented and you know, it's it's put a lot on my mind, so I'm really sorry that we haven't recorded a show this week that it's, you know, I'm recording this part on Friday. Jeff Hawkins recorded what you're about to listen to maybe uh, yesterday on Thursday. Um, But what we got going on is I I wanted to give an update. I didn't want to not release something this week. Um, I put a poll up on the Twitter feed, you know, should we just take this week off or should we release something? Jeff, Jeff Hawkins last night, knowing that we may have a struggle Finding Time, recorded 40 minutes of his thoughts on this week in WWE. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, sadly, the audio isn't great because Jeff was recording on his phone because he is not at home either in his regular studio. So it's been uh, it's been tough to try and not only find time to record, but find a space and find a way to record audio that we try to keep up with. Um, you know, I, I don't like releasing audio that doesn't sound good. Um, I... I th- Really thought hard about not even releasing an episode this week at all, just because the audio couldn't sound that great. Um, but I, we'll, we'll release it, and I wanted to tag in this warning here. Uh, I wanted to tag in this warning that, hey, you know, this, this is not up to the audio standards that we're usually with, um, but if you want to hear from, from Jeff and I, you know, we're giving you this option. We're, we're giving you the option. Uh, we do not blame anyone if you skip this week's episode. We hope that you know this week's episode does not throw you off of us, and we hope you'll return as we get back to normal next week. I, I really am sorry that we haven't been able to uh, to keep up to a current schedule the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's just been a lot going on, and and hopefully it will it will not be that way soon. Uh, we can get back to our normal Wednesday schedule and normal schedule of doing post pay per view shows and a whole bunch of other fun things. You know, fun things that we had been doing for the early parts of this year and and have had, you know, some trouble keeping up with uh, the last month or so because uh, that's what I want to do. I mean, I, I have fun doing this. I have fun doing this with Jeff and we have fun, you know, interacting with all of you, uh, both in email feedback and then Twitter feedback. You know, the email feed is Rob at Voices of Wrestling dot com. Twitter feed at Shake Them Ropes. Jeff is on Twitter at Crap Game 13. Uh, we thank everyone for. For visiting our sponsors that we've had, Mac Weldon, Dollar Shave Club, Casper, uh, you know, all the sponsors that we've had that have joined Shake Them Ropes have been a, a really great help to us. And we hope that you guys have been 
not just supporting the sponsors, but getting some cool stuff from them as well. Uh, whether it's Mac Weldon and getting 20% off, uh, you know, the best, you know, it, it's not a joke, the best underwear that I've ever worn. Um, or if you're doing Dollar Shave Club and, you know, for a couple of bucks a month, you know, being able to shave more regularly and not having to go to to a Walgreens or to some store to buy $20 packs of razors, you know, because that's what I was doing before I joined Dollar Shave Club. Uh, you know, I, I really, it's not just Jeff and I, it's it's that, you know, you guys get something out of it too. I, I, I hope that we give you you something out of listening to Shake Them Ropes. For those of you maybe listening for the first time ever, I know there's always every episode will have at least one first-time listener and maybe even a dozen, maybe even a hundred uh, first-time listeners. Uh, hopefully you will join us again next week because this is an outlier as far as the types of audio content that you get from us. Uh, this is not the usual thing. It's not usually me doing a part and then Jeff doing a part and our, our audio sounding like, like crap. It's not usually this way. It's usually Jeff and I having fun. Uh, him usually making really good points and then me poo-pooing all over them and talking more about Tino Sabatelli. Um, you know, this is a uh, outlier. I'm, I'm releasing this episode because I wanted those who are hardcore STR fans and listeners, I wanted to give you something. I didn't want to take – I hate taking weeks off. We haven't taken a week off since 2014. I hate taking weeks off. Uh, yes, the audio may not be great, but we're giving you a show and hopefully you will find some enjoyment out of it. If you skip this week's episode, I don't blame you at all. Hopefully you will join us back, uh, next week on the show. Um, you know, for, uh, for this week's episode, because of the audio content, we're going, we're going ad free on this one. Uh, you know, I, I was talking about the sponsors there, but not so much as an ad for any of them. Uh, but, uh, we're going to go ad free on the show. So, uh, as a, a little bonus, um, you know, we thank you for supporting the sponsors, but we will get back to our sponsorships next week. Uh, and, and that's all I got. Um, you know, the main thing I wanted to talk about before we get Jeff, uh, on here to give his thoughts and his audio, um, you know, I, I just wanted to, uh, talk about the biggest news of the week, which, which obviously was James Ellsworth, Ellsworth getting a, a WWE championship shot. Uh, really thought he almost had it. Um, you know, I, I thought he was going to become the WWE champion, but no, Dean Ambrose lucks out. James Ellsworth couldn't win the big one. And now Dean Ambrose goes up against uh, AJ Styles on SmackDown uh, next week. So that that was a big one. I mean, Ellsworth gave it his all. He beat AJ in a non-title match the week before. He was proving that he was worth a shot. Uh, there's there's no better number one contender in the WWE except for Ellsworth, and he he failed. So now it goes back to Dean Dean Ambrose. So. Good for Dean Ambrose. Um, oh, and Sasha and Charlotte are main eventing Hell in the Cell. That's interesting. Uh, do they deserve it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think the Sasha-Charlotte feud right now has been as hot as it has even earlier this year. Uh, you look back at the Royal Rumble. You look back at Sasha Banks coming out and giving a face-to-face to Charlotte, when, and then they did nothing with it. They did a, a three-way eventually, but they almost took Sasha Banks out of the uh, out of the issue with Charlotte. Uh, you know, there was, there was knee injury, the stuff, there was a pay-per-view in the middle. There was time to fill till WrestleMania. So I understand a lot of the different reasons why it happened, but it was just a bummer, uh, because that was seemingly a really hot feud going into the WrestleMania season, Sasha Banks and Charlotte. And it ended up okay. The three-way at WrestleMania was really good. And the story was really, really fascinating. But now you have Sasha Banks and Charlotte again, and you've had, you know, two singles matches on raw. And now we go to the pay-per-view and the hell in the cell. And it's interesting but listen, I mean, the last main event of a pay-per-view was Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. They did the world title match at the start of No Mercy. So they are very into trying new things. It is not even a year ago and definitely not five years ago of pay-per-view. Uh, they are willing to try new things. You may see the WWE Championship match maybe early in the show, maybe even to start off the show. But you are going to have the last match in the show, Charlotte and Sasha Banks as the main event, unless they pull another issue where they call that the main event, but then say, you know what? The main event's going to open the show like the world title match at no mercy did. That could always happen. I doubt it, but it could always happen. But that's what you're going to have. You are going to have hell in a cell, Sasha Banks and Charlotte kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal. The question isn't so much. Could they do it one time? I think over the last year, we all figured out they were going to do it at least once. 
The question to me, the more interesting question is, can they do it again? Will they succeed in this role? Can they do it again? Will there be a program that is worthy of main eventing a pay-per-view again another time? Because doing it once is great. It opens the door. Got to do it again. Got to find a way to get it back there. Got to do it again. That's all my thoughts for this moment, Uh, time constraints and so forth. We are going to play Jeff Hawkins' part. I know uh, at some points the audio, he kind of cuts out. Uh, At some points he's not very loud on the microphone, so I apologize. Again, if you want to skip this episode, I understand. Hopefully you will join us back. Hopefully we will win your trust again. And hopefully you will keep kicking it with us on Shake Them Ropes. I thank everyone who has subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't already... Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, search Shake Them Ropes, or go to bit.ly slash itunes. That's bit.ly slash itunes. You can also subscribe in a number of different ways with a number of different podcast platforms. Just search Shake Them Ropes. Google it. Google us. Visit us on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Follow us for all the information about new shows and so forth. That is it for me at this moment. Get ready, folks, for 40 minutes of Jeff Hawkins going solo, doing the show he always wanted to do, doing the show without me keeping him down. Here he is. It's the Hawk. Rob McCarron is prone to daydreaming class, back-talk his teachers, and not manage his time well. Hey, kids, shake them ropes for this week. If you're hearing this show, it's the Jeff Hawkins solo hoobajoob. Why? Because Rob is... Rob's having some problems. And it's not in a bad way, necessarily. It's just life sometimes gets in the way. He has irons in the fire, so to say. And <laughs> I, I like Rob a lot. But <laughs> when you go, hey, what time do you want to record today? Because I'm amped to record... Um, and he goes, I forgot it was Wednesday. So now it's Thursday. I am actually sitting in a closet in my folks' house in lovely Scottsdale, Arizona, taping a half hour or so so that we do not uh, break our streak of continuous shows. So if the audio quality is poor, if, if the show quality is poor, I apologize. I do not like recording solo shows because it requires me to organize my thoughts. And I kind of like the free form of a conversation. I like having someone to, to bounce my ideas off of, especially if I'm, if I think I'm wrong. Cause there are times where I'm in this wrestling bubble and I'm just, maybe I'm just so stuck in my, you know, old man Hawkins. When in my day, we like to have the type of thing that I need Rob to sometimes bring me back or another host. So I I don't like doing solo shows. I know people have requested it in the past, but, uh, you know, if if you're expecting a Joe Lanza unfiltered, probably not going to get it because I don't don't live the bohemian lifestyle that, that young Mr. Lanza, and I'm the only person on the Voices of Wrestling Network who can call Joe Lanza young. I am, I am the grand old man of this network, uh, you young whippersnappers, case low, looking at you. Um, <laughs> you know, Joe Lanza is still holding on to his youth. You know, buying hoodies and you know, using Tinder. I've I've had Tinder for years, and I I think I've had one person respond. So you know, but I'm in Los Angeles, and I'm older, and you know, whatever. So that's a, that's parts of our personal life going. Uh, you know, say if you're the praying type, say asylum for Rob, because Rob has a very interesting opportunity, He and he doesn't want me to talk about it on the air, so I won't, but I will leave it vague and blue ball you all and say he has a very interesting opportunity on the table right now, despite the fact that he's just moved into a new locale. I kind of want him to take it, to be honest with you, because I like this career path he's on. But if he doesn't want to, that's fair enough. I still want him to eat a hat, too, but who knows if that's ever going to happen. You because know, I don't think Rob ever thought he'd have to, you know, cash in on that. I will never make such stupid bets, so, so, so you're stuck with me. So we have WWE for the week. No top 100 match this week, although I did watch it. Um, I quite enjoyed it. If you haven't watched it, you might catch up with it. WrestleMania 21, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, phenomenal match. Um, 
at this point, as I said, I think a couple weeks ago, you're getting nothing but good matches at this point. So, you know, watch everything. You know, go to the list. It's on the Voice of Wrestling website under Shake Them Ropes. Um, follow along with us, if you will. Um, let's start with NXT, because I because it's the freshest thing in my memory. Uh, I, you know, I liked the Roddy Strong reveal a lot. Um, I think we're all fairly certain it was going to be Roddy at this point, or it was going to be uh, Bobby Roode going back with Austin Aries, but um, I saw some reactions um, on the internet uh, that the Full Sail crowd didn't give Roddy the love that they thought he deserved, and you know what? You can't hold that against them, I don't think. I don't think you can... I mean, it, it's weird, because Full Sail and PWG crowds, to some respect, get that reputation that that they they they're too clever they're too cool for school so they so they get you know hammered for that and then when they don't know something they get hammered for that as well um i don't think those crowds may be i mean maybe they maybe they're young enough or old enough to have followed robbie strong and ring of honor um maybe they're knowledgeable enough to do that um i thought the reaction was fine i didn't think it was undervalued but you know at the same time did was it a loud reaction no and and i think this is a great team i think these two mesh very very well um <laughs> otis my man i don't know where he came from but i, I loved uh aries imitating him uh and you know we'll, we'll wait for the later rounds for this dusty class to get really interesting i'm going to be interested to see the types of shows they do on this California swing, because I have tickets to Hollywood uh, show next week. If I don't sell them for cash, that's a different story altogether. But uh, let's just say I'm very generous with uh, my lending to some of my poor actor friends. So I may, I may need a little bit of money this month to uh, to catch up on some bills. So I may not go to the NXT show. It's the same night as Hell in the Cell as well. And if Rob wants to do a live show, I am uh, I am dedicated to the show enough where I will give up a night at NXT to do the show and do the after show um, after watching the pay-per-view. Um, and I'm looking forward to it as well, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, this Dusty Classic right now, it's, it's still early, so you can't really judge it too much. Um, it's a lot of nothing. I, I'm digging the sanity uh, thing. I know a lot of people have soured on Eric Young over the years due to his work in TNA. I think this is the perfect role for him. He's not going to be a huge star, but he's a great mouthpiece for some of the younger people like uh, like the tag team they're in. Um, and I'm liking uh, Nikki, Nikki Storm, Nikki Glencross's work uh, here as kind of that psychotic female. I think they're, they're really good stable, and I like stables. I think... We need more stables. Not every stable needs to be elite necessarily. You can, I mean, and WWE's problem has always been the way they build stables is there's one star and there's cannon fodder. There's not a good, you know, stable. Do I do I think they're cheesing it up just a little bit? Yeah, I do. But this is, you know, this is Paul Jones' army, uh, the, the Dungeon of Doom level type of stable, and I think they're perfectly fine here. And I think eventually. Nikki's going to be the breakout star of this thing once, once uh, you know, you need talented women to get moved up to face Asuka because, uh, as we found out this week, indeed, um, as I had previously opined, uh, Trish Stratus not walking through that door because she's pregnant. So they've signed uh, Mickey James for a uh, at least a one-shot. I know that there are people on the main roster who uh, would love to have a match with Mickey James, some of the younger horsewomen have expressed interest in having a match with her. Um, I don't mind this as a one-shot necessarily. I, I don't know how well they're going to mesh either, so I do have a bit of trepidation, but the plan, I guess, was to turn Asuka a bit more heel to have her face with Ember Moon. It's a perfectly fine match to put in there because there's not really anybody to sacrifice on the main roster who has enough heft for an NXT TakeOver match right now. And that's where you get the special guests that you can bring in for one-shots like this. And you know what? If 
if Trish wasn't available and, you know, if Mickey wasn't available, there was always Lita if you wanted to. I don't know if Lita's willing to do it necessarily, but, you know, she's there. She's in, she's in the wheelhouse, so to speak, if you wanted to book a match between the two of them. Uh, how well is are the two going to mesh? They're going to have some time to get together and gel, hopefully, at the Performance Center. Uh, I think it'll be a perfectly fine match. I'd love for WWE to give Magnus a look. I think Magnus is great. Um, or at least he has the right look to be a superstar. He has the right kind of charisma to be a superstar. If Mickey doing a favor can get him a, 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 a foot in, great. I'm all for that. I'm all for that kind of stuff. Um, I'd love for TNA to go under just to get some of those old knockouts back in there now that they've kind of revitalized their thinking, but, you know, that's me talking out of school. I never want people to lose their jobs, but I'd like to see Gil Kim versus any of the horsewomen. That's me. I'd like to see Hamada come back and face any of the horsewomen, you know, that, but I, I always love that TNA women's division. I've always loved the NXT women's division. Um, speaking of which... We'll go to the main roster now. Why not? Let, let's take a look at some of the things that happened this week uh, doing uh, Raw and SmackDown. I don't have anybody to play off of, so I'm kind of doing this... Uh, I forgot. I want to say train of thought, but <laughs> I think that's the right term. I need, I need, I need, these, I need a host to, to allow me to have a couple moments to collect my thoughts because I have about 20 of them going at the same time. Uh, Raw is, as a show, it's, I'm just, it, it's too, there's not enough reality to it, to me. And I'm having an issue with it, personally. I'm having an issue with this Hell of the Cell build, because none of these feel like cage match type builds. You know, the brutality of the cage is really not being harped upon enough it's it's almost as if it's it, it's it's an afterthought and that's part of the problem having this themed pay-per-view is that is that you have it there so that you can build feuds to the point where you want to see these matches and they're not doing that that much now that said the one really good i thought bill goldberg was fantastic i don't know how you guys feel about Bill Goldberg overall as a talent or anything. I don't think this match with Lesnar is going to be anything really special. I think they're going to eventually put a stipulation on it, to be honest with you, and make it a street fight type of thing so you can have more smoke and mirrors to protect Goldberg. Because Goldberg's 49, but he came out here. He cut a great star-like Babyface promo. I thought everything about this was great. As I wrote, Hawk died and gave Bill Goldberg his charisma. Because I've never seen Bill Goldberg like this. I mean, even on his podcast, it, it, he wasn't this full of, of life for me. And he, I know he was interested in a lot of the subjects on that podcast. But at the same time, I, I've this seemed like... A revitalized Bill Goldberg. And the WWE is good at this kind of thing. They're really good at introducing people. They're not so good at following up on those kinds of introductions. If you've watched Sting, um, for example, I mean, they really they gave him a great thing, and then they eventually had to write him into a plot. And it didn't go very well, especially, you know, the, the Seth Rollins thing was kind of dopey, to be honest with you. And the Triple H one, while good, didn't pay off in the end. And I don't think Bill Goldberg's going to win this match. My only hope is that he leaves intact without Vince McMahon hurting his legacy. Whatever that legacy you think is. Um, I found it very interesting on the video clip they showed of his first match against Bill DeMott, a.k.a. Hugh Morris, that uh, old Bill DeMott ended up potatoing him, it looked like, in his first match. Gave him a black eye. Gave a shiner to the new guy. Read into that what you will in terms of uh, reports from the training center when DeMont was running it. I don't know. I, I Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was a little bit of hazing. A bit of a hazing incident at uh, my alma mater of the University of Virginia, if you've been reading the news. I'm not happy about that as a ex-player, um, so to speak. 
Uh, I don't... And I was talking about training a bit with... Uh, with the female wrestler I did after Buzz with a couple weeks ago, and, and we are just talking, and it's like, look, it's a new day, no pun intended, where, you know, the old guard, you don't have to break guys. You don't have to, I mean, you have to be tough to get into pro wrestling, don't get me wrong, I believe in the toughness factor, but you're not trying to run guys out anymore. And I don't think that kind of thinking has a place in, in modern-day parlance. I don't even think it had that much of a place during the Monday Night Wars here, to be honest with you. I mean, I understand why they did such things at the power plant, from what I've heard, and, and you know, on and on. I just found an error that Bill Goldberg had a black eye. And you know what? I hope he has a good match. I don't hope for people to have bad matches. I just think... I don't have a lot of hope in it because the last match they had wasn't very good. So, you know, we'll see how this build goes. I mean, they, they do debuts well. The Nexus debuted very well. Nexus was a debut on one of the worst Raws I've ever watched. But it was one of the best debuts I've ever seen. And then once they finally started to have to get into a plot line, they couldn't write any of those guys for crap. And they had also lost Daniel Bryan, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you know, they were they were guys who'd show up, beat up a guy, but they'd look, they, they weren't looking strong, necessarily. And it'll be interesting to see how much of Bill Goldberg's history plays into the rest of this story, especially the fact that he's had a spotty relationship with Triple H. He's had a spotty relationship with Vince McMahon. So, just because things have been ironed out for the sake of the video game, doesn't mean things have necessarily been ironed out between everybody involved. I'm sure Bill wants to put on a good match for his kid, who's never seen him wrestle, his wife. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to get 18 or 19 suplexes at his age. Um, I think he'll get a spear in. I think he'll probably get a jackhammer in. I think uh, Brock will kick out of both. At some point, suplex him and pin him, or F5 him as well. Now, uh, what has been grinding my gears this week about Raw? That Dana Brooke-Bailey segment. My God. Okay, look. I can understand. There's a lot of things wrong with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Dana, in storyline, is inept. It costs people matches. Has cost Charlotte matches. There is no way... On any of God's green earth, she should be beating Bailey clean, let alone putting feet on the ropes, eye pokes, distraction roll-ups, what have you. Okay? It's up to the referee when doing the pin. When, when Dana's, as I put it, on, uh, on the uh, Fightful Online smack, or, uh, Smackdown thing, Dana's legs were too short to kickbox with God. It was a spot that needed timing. That's not Dana's uh, strong suit. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> this this whole thing just killed a lot of Bailey Star aura, in my opinion. Someone, the referee should have been paying attention and told Bailey to call an audible and kick out, in my opinion. But even so, this, these types of rinky-dink, fifty-fifty booking. We need an excuse so it's a win, but it's not really a clean win type things. It kills Star Aras. The only way Dana Brooke should be pinning Bailey in this fashion is if she walloped her with a couple of chair shots and threw her through a table and then pinned her. You know, if, if there was a two-on-one and she pinned her, or if Charlotte had softened her up so much that she couldn't compete at full strength and maybe took advantage of that with a cheating mechanism such as putting your feet on the ropes. But this thing, this, someone needed to make an on-the-fly call here in someone's earpiece or something to, to, to find a way to save Bailey, in my opinion. Because I think Bailey's a million-dollar property, okay? I think she's a star. And I don't think they know what to do with her. And it, and it feeds into everybody's fears of how are they going to treat Bailey on the main roster. And then th these types of things happen on accident, 
and then they lead to worse things. That's my concern right now, is that that this is this is one of those things, well, you know, you can build Bailey up as an underdog, and she's a perfectly good underdog. But making her lose clean, they're going to need to explain this on Monday, or it's going to be problematic, in my opinion, because there's not enough women on the roster to feed to Bailey, and you can't really keep doing squash matches because then you get to the level of a Dana Brooke, and she loses... So people lose faith in her. It was just, it's a mess all around. It made me angry all the way around that they even tried this type of thing because they've been doing this with a lot of people on the mid-card. The whole eye poke, distraction finish, music plays, and all of a sudden people come up stupid. It's, it's just ridiculous. They need to stop it, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, where's Nia Jackson? I know she's, I think she's doing superstars matches. She might need to get sacrificed now to Bailey to build back up Bailey's credibility. But I don't think they're going to do that. But then again, I don't think they know what they're doing with Nia Jax. And just to continue this this through line, let's get to this Hell in the Cell with Charlotte and Sasha, which I am stoked for as a match. As a build, it is terrible. Okay? I don't need to hear about the historicalness of the women doing a Hell in a Cell. More than once, at least. Because then everything is about how great the company is for giving these women the chance to do this, as opposed to the women actually earning this and doing it on their own. That's the problem here, is that the company are the good guys. It, it's not about Charlotte and Sasha. It's about the revolution, which the WWE gave to these women. And, and look at how magnanimous we are with equal rights. Blah, 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 blah. These promos, these sit-down promos with Lita were bad. Okay, the best thing they've done in this feud so far was for this last match with all the NXT videotape. Go back to that. Because it was simple and it was good, quite frankly. You know, you, you, you had the build of explained why this thing is a rivalry, why they don't like each other. I mean, I don't need to hear, you know, oh, it's historical, I'm the boss, Eddie Guerrero, whatever. Okay, that, I went through the mad libs of the, of the Sasha Banks babyface promo last week. With Charlotte, it's I'm genetically superior, I'm genetically superior, I need to find a way back to my catchphrases. There's going to be a recurring theme in whatever's left of this show right now. I'm tired of the branding. I'm tired of the branding. I want you to build. I don't want you to brand. They think branding is building, and it's not. It's not building characters. It's catchphrases that don't matter to people. It's advertising slogans. As opposed to saying, you know, as opposed to selling Coca-Cola as a great-tasting beverage that people might like, it's Coke is it, Coke is it, Coke is it. That's all this crap is. And it, it bleeds from the top of the roster down. Take, for example, the cruiserweights. It's branding. It's all freaking branding. They haven't built any of these guys up. It, it, they're catchphrases and slogans and things you're supposed to catch on to. And the heart and what made the Cruiserweight Classic magic isn't transferring to this main roster. And I've heard, I've heard other critics say it's because, well, it's because these guys just aren't bringing it. They're not bringing the same thing. They're not bringing the same intensity or care. No, this is, this is the style that they're doing. This is what they do top to bottom. It's not their fault necessarily. They, the big mistake they did was that they're trying to build heel face dynamics in something like Ring of Honor with the code of uh, code of sportsmanship or, or whatever it is. They shouldn't be doing that either. Don't get me wrong, but you know, T.J. Perkins is the video game player, you know, and everything has to be video game puns. It's it's that's not what brought people to dance, guys. You know, it, it, watching R R Rich Swan dance isn't gonna make. It, it, it's camp, and camp is the death of wrestling right now from everybody. You can have camp with one act, and it'd be entertaining, but you have camp from the top to the bottom of this roster, 
The main event program is based on camp. It's based on Chris Jericho and his list and it and his comedy. And it's very well done comedy, but that's your main event angle. The New Day, pure camp. Gallows and Anderson, for a short time, pure camp. And, and what the hell has happened to them now that they tried to rebuild them hardcore? You can't have this in a wrestling product despite the fact you're trying to be family-filled entertainment. And that's... You can be family entertainment and still be wrestling. But it may not be what I'd like to refer to as Barnum and Bailey. You know, maybe not everybody gets to see the clowns and Gunther Gable Williams with the tiger. You know, you don't have to... You know, these things in order to... The thing about wrestling that got me hooked was that I was watching something dangerous that I wasn't supposed to be watching. I was watching guys fight. And guys aren't supposed to fight. You know, you're supposed to work out your differences and talk to each other. No, they, they talked smack and kicked each other's butts. Came back with bandages on their head at, at the Techwood Studios and talked into a camera. But on the Raw roster especially, it's all so cloying and manipulative and branded, and you're just like, ugh. Now, Rusev is awesome. Rusev is great here. But it's all to serve as Roman Reigns, who not a lot of people are interested in. But that segment I liked, but, man, Callis and Anderson are dead right now. That's disturbing, and it's to build a big cast. I get that. They're still on this run. And other than that, there's not a lot to talk about about Raw. So let's, uh, let's end on SmackDown a bit. I, look, talking smack, I, I, want to, I want to take talking smack out to a very nice dinner. Perhaps Italian, candlelit, violins, the whole bit. Get tiramisu at the end of the night. Take it back to my place. Put on some boys to men, some I'll be sure, some Sade. Sade is awesome. Candlelight. Make babies with this thing. Have it give birth. Spread it out throughout the wrestling world. Make babies again. And, and raise a nice family of talking smack. That's what I want. Because this, this show, fantastic. This is what I want in wrestling. And it seems like all the handcuffs are off. I, I've opined that it's kind of an on-the-fly promo class between Daniel Bryan trolling guys. But it's, it's doing so much to me for these guys. AJ Styles coming out after his match and being angry about it. I liked that. I really did because it made up... I want to see that on the actual television show. And we'll get to my concerns about that in a moment. This show made me like Mojo Rawley. It did. I can't stand Mojo Rawley. I find him try hard. I, I find him a little bit put on. A little bit in his enthusiasm. I'm turning the corner on him. He seemed... So affable on this show. His interplay with Zack Ryder, especially kind of the alluding to Ryder's relationship with Emma, all fantastic comedy. He's likable. He's, he's hyped. He got Daniel Bryan excited. He got the whole set excited. I liked this. I'm a guy who doesn't necessarily get attracted to positive things, as, as you've probably heard on this show. I absolutely loved this segment. Baron Corbin. Awesome stuff. I don't know what they're going to do with him on this card because they got nobody else to feed him right now. But for an interview, fantastic. It told me everything I ever wanted to know about Baron Corbin as a character. This is what I want. I want you to build characters on these shows. Raw has three friggin' hours, and they're not doing nearly as much as they're doing on this Talking Smack half-hour show. It was absolutely great. AJ Styles, Mojo Raleigh, Baron Corbin, Daniel Bryan to some extent was great on this. I mean, this this show is what I want in wrestling. I just want, I don't want to be manipulated. I don't care about office politics. I don't care who's who's the face of the brand. I don't care about that. I want wins and losses. I want, I want competitors who care about wins and losses. I want things to matter and talking smack makes things matter and I don't I just I get upset because 
It should be on the main program, quite frankly. All this character development. It should be on the main program, but they're, they're sending us to the network where, you know, a third of the audience will see it. Put on a Raw show like this for the last half hour. Just have it be two and a half hours and have the last third be, you know, the have Stone Cold hosted or whatever you want to do. Just, but do the same thing for the characters there because Sasha Banks is dying on the main roster. Bailey's dying on the main roster. Kevin Owens is doing well for himself, but he's becoming a comedy gimmick in some ways. There are a lot of guys who are dying. The, the cruiserweights are dying on the main roster. And they need to do something to fix it, and it feels like they don't care because they have a star in mind, or they have two stars in mind, and everybody else is filler. So, so let's get to SmackDown a bit, shall we? Randy Orton, Kane, and the Wyatts. Who cares? Really. This is, this is uh, it, it's interesting because they, they put the casket gimmick in there to make this feud feel interesting and it just makes it more problematic and boring in some ways. There's, there's only been a couple of really good casket matches and I'm not sure WWE has, has been the uh, proprietor of either of them. Lucha Underground had the best casket match I ever saw. And it's a tough one because you're manipulating bodies and, of course, people can get hurt. I mean, that's how I mean, Shawn Michaels took a, took a back onto a, onto a casket and was out for a while. So I think it was a casket. It might have been steps. Don't, don't quote me on this. You know, hit, hit me on the Twitter if, if, if I'm wrong about that. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know the, the supernatural stuff, the promos where they're not saying much. The match itself seemed listless. It seemed like Randy Orton wasn't doing all that much in terms of when he was fired back up. You know, those clotheslines didn't have a lot of oomph to them. I love Luke Harper. I like Bray. They're just, they're not building them any. So why should I care about this stuff? Randy Orton seems like he's kind of, he's been told he's a main eventer. Kane's a main eventer. But, there's there's no second step thinking here. There really isn't. And let's just stop this program and break them up. You know what? If Baron Corbin needs someone, I'll take a Randy Orton feud. Give me that. Sure, they were they've already teased the Kane feud once and didn't deliver on it. Give me that. You know, just just it's time to retool Bray Wyatt. Oh, I want to go. Uh, speaking of Wyatt, there, there, that's the other thing I was thinking of uh, in terms of uh, Raw. Because there wasn't a lot to Raw, to be honest with you. I mean, Sheamus and, and, and Cesaro doing their dumb, you know, Facebook Live co promotion. Bo Dallas, the brother of Bray Wyatt, who some are thinking, you know, this may be a turn of some kind into Bray Wyatt. I think this has all been toughening him up to feed him to Goldberg. So don't read too much into this being a long-term thing as well. That's my one note. All right. Uh, back to SmackDown. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Naomi. No chemistry between these two whatsoever. Um, and I don't understand now. They've done 50-50. Why am I caring about this program now? Because they're now going to say Alexa Bliss needs to go in three weeks against Becky. I'm hoping they're not taking the belt off of Becky to give to Alexa to face Naomi. I like Naomi personally. I think she is just the victim of bad timing and when she came into the WWE, that that third season of NXT. And then she's put on the main roster as a cheerleader. And then she's kind of, you know, she's put in the ring as a competitor. She was someone who... You know, on a rehab stint, when the horsewomen were down there, could have really used, in my opinion, the six months down there to get some better mechanics. Because she's very athletic. But her mechanics are off in the matches I watch her in. She has the day-glow dancing gimmick, which is fine, but it's a gimmick. It's not a character. Um, so I don't know the future of Naomi here. I think she's behind Carmella and Alexa. Right now. I don't think Team Bad did her any favors, even though she was supposed to be the breakout star. And it was supposed to be kind of like a nation build where she was the Farouk to Sasha's Rock. But Sasha's Rock was always bigger than the Farouk in that stable. 
maybe bring back Tamina to second her again might help because they had good interplay. I just don't know what to do with Naomi, and I'm kind of hoping they're not building her up as a number one contender to Alexa's title because that means they're going to take it off of Becky, and I think Becky still needs this title. I do. Um, Alexa's fine. I, I, I want... I'm still holding out that she's going to rise to the occasion in a big match type of situation. Uh, and we have to wait for that. Apollo Crews, Kurt Hawkins, perfect. I don't need to see Kurt Hawkins. And Apollo Crews doesn't need to give up offense to anybody. So let's let's just uh, thank the good Lord baby Jesus that, uh, that the Hawkins name was not sullied any further. Although we know it will be. Um, Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful. Uh, very upset that it seems to be glomming off of the old uh, Eva Marie storyline. Look, I... <laughs> it's a very thin roster and an even thinner writer's group of ideas. And I'm not saying that because of the writers. I'm saying that because of the system in which ideas are funneled. It's, it's, it's always on the showrunner. It's never on the, on the writer's. The writers can give all the great ideas they want. If you have a showrunner who doesn't have out-of-the-box thinking, if he doesn't, you know, if, he does, if it's not a collaborative atmosphere, and I've worked in atmospheres that aren't collaborative in comedy because someone thinks they're the funniest guy in the room or they're the genius or what have you, um, you're not going to get a good product. You're going to get their vision of what they think is a good product. And and that's what you're going to get. And... and if you have a bunch of people telling them it's great, they're never going to change their thinking. Uh, the six-man between Miz and the Spirit Squad versus the Tag Team Champs and the Intercontinental Champ. I see Dolph taking a back seat, you know, two weeks into his title reign. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, don't know. I, you know, I'm fine with the Spirit Squad getting a win. I liked that. Keith Slater got some offense on top and got some extended offense on top. I think that's, I think that's crucial to building him into not being the next uh, Ellsworth, so to speak, uh, or Ellsworth not being the next Heath Slater. Now Heath Slater is at a point where he shouldn't be a geek, a total geek anymore. He should be learning how to be a champ, and I would love to see that kind of progression. Do I have a lot of hope for that progression? No, I don't. I, I think he's going to end up back doing trailer park jokes and aerosol cheese. Okay, I, I don't think they're building something, but, but, you know, let the Spirit Squad uh, get a get, get a win, get some credibility, and, and then eventually when, when the tag champs beat them two-on-two, two, uh, it'll be fine. It'll be a good win before they lose the belts to the Usos, I think. Uh, I, I overvalued, I guess, in terms of what I like, the, uh, the Naomi... Carmella segment. I thought Carmella was fantastic here. And I thought Naomi was fine too. Look, it's it's not the most creative storyline in the world. It's the same women in WWE are catty and uh, and Nikki Bella didn't earn her place on the roster but, but as it was as a segment I think Carmella's a pretty good actress here. I think Nikki's trying to build her reputation a bit more then the audience is going to go along with, but the audience went along with this entire bit. And kudos to the SmackDown audience for that. Because a Raw audience would have wanted this to death. They would have, what, what, what? You know, you don't need that. It's almost like the SmackDown audience views this show with as much reverence in comparison to it being a wrestling show as just enjoying it more than Raw. And it's almost like they're they're not defiant like the raw crowds are. Like like the raw crowds are almost angry that they have to be there to watch it. It's like why are you giving us this crap? While the SmackDown guys are all, hey, we're enjoying wrestling. It's a fun show. Let's all have fun together. La 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 la. So they don't want things as much. But for the segment, look, it's Jerry Springer esque. She brought on a tape to, to make, and and kudos to Nikki for taking the hits on being needy and a gold digger. Look, there's not a lot of people that would have that kind of self-deprecation enough to sit in an angle talking about them like this. Was it a plug for Total Bellas? Yes. Was it a crass plug for Total Bellas? Yes. Was it effective as a, as a bit? Kind of. 
Did it make me want to see another match? Not really. I enjoy Carmella beating up Nikki. Do more of that. But as a segment in itself, it was entertaining and I didn't mind it so much. Now, a lot of my coloring of SmackDown may be due to the, the phenomenal main event segment. But overall, I liked it. Uh, before we get to the main event segment, Jack Swagger. What are we going to do with him? And, and what do we do with Baron Corbin even now that the whole mid-card has been gutted? Do we put Baron Corbin back for the Intercontinental title now that that's been built up? I hope not, because we've already watched Dolph Ziggler. I don't need to see that again. Is he ready for main event status? I don't know. I don't know what they think. This is the We're having a real problem now with the thin rosters. Not that they ever cared about mid-cards when we had a deep roster, but we have an even bigger when we have two rosters to take care of, and everybody's already beating each other within the first two months. Do we need more squash matches? I don't know. Maybe we just need more personality segments. And, you know, the old NWA 30-second squash, 90-second talking segment. It worked. Why go against that which worked? But Jack Swagger's dead now. Why, why did anybody ever want to watch him on a card again? If you heard Jack Swagger coming into a match, why wouldn't you go get popcorn or nachos or go take a leak? That's my question. I mean, and I like Jack Swagger. I, I thought this move was a good one for him to rebuild him somewhere. I, I, I don't know if you can rebuild him. I don't. I mean, without a rehab stint in NXT, maybe? But there doesn't look like they're going to be using that to, uh, to rebuild guys like Titus or, or Jack Swagger. They're just here. They're guys with catchphrases and branding, like I've been complaining about. There's no care for these guys insofar as selling shirts and doing catchphrases from top to bottom. It, it's, it's weird. It's odd. Oh, Sami Zayn and uh, Braun. Someone reminded me of that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in anywhere else but events, I'd have hope that uh, this would be a great build for Sami Zayn. I don't think it's going to be that way. It, it's going to be, I think Sami may look good here eventually in a couple of spots. But this is Bill Braun, and we should get used to that fact. Sorry to go back to Raw. Like I said, stream of consciousness. I don't have a lot of notes in front of me. I'm sorry. So let's get to this uh, James Ellsworth uh, segment. Uh, originally, I highly praised it. I loved it. In fact, I still love it quite a bit. Uh, the, the t-shirt uh, interview with, uh, with Renee, I thought, I thought he was a great actor in that. I thought he did some really good acting. I wish they had given him a shirt that people would have actually bought. Because he's not going to be here for long. I think he's going to be here for a short stint. He's going to have a <clears throat> comedy segment in the Royal Rumble. And we're never going to see James Ellsworth on WWE TV again. But, on the off chance we do, kudos to SmackDown for getting over underdogs. They do it right. They've now gotten Heath Slater over. They've gotten James Ellsworth over. And I enjoyed this squash. It was an extended squash. You know, the, the, the chin the, the lack of a chin lock was funny. Um, the, the throwing them back and forth inside the ring, funny. Uh, the super kick and do the false finish. I thought that might have been the best false finish of the year, to be honest with you. I enjoyed that. I popped mad for that because I thought there was a chance they may give him the title. And that's the whole point of a false finish. I mean, super kick is the perfect move to do for a guy like that. Just a super kick out of nowhere, fall down for the pin, two count, kick out. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I think he's still the number one contender. I don't know. But, um, but, but my point for this is, and I'm going to end on this point because it was an important one. I probably should have started with this because it was the point most on my mind. But I realize I might be wrong about my enjoyment of this segment. Not in terms of enjoying it, but in terms of what it did for the character of AJ Styles, especially insofar as the AJ Styles character coming back on Talking Sheet and giving that great, intense promo that this was Daniel Bryan's fault. And insofar as doing a comedy match for the main event, I think this was the point to turn it. 
I think this is the point where AJ Styles should have beaten the crap out of James Ellsworth. Maybe even color. To that point, it should have been a disturbing beatdown. Where he's like, I'm a champ. How dare you treat me like this? How dare... Look, the, the jokes are over. I am a serious competitor in this ring. And when you get in this ring, I am the best there is at this. And to put in a guy who is not ready for a title shot, this blood is on you. This injury is on you. This is all on you right now, Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon, and you, um, Dean Ambrose, who laughed at this, who, who, who made comedy out of this. The fact that you made light of this man and put him in this ring is partly your fault. I think this needed a serious injury, perhaps even a stretcher job on James Ellsworth, as opposed to him being a ragdoll. After that super kick and kick out, maybe two, two styles clashes to the point the match had to be stopped. Okay, not just the punching. I mean, this needed a blade. In the 80s, this would have gotten a blade job. I know we're not in that point right now because we're about family-friendly entertainment. But I think maybe shocking the audience here wouldn't have been such a bad thing. And to really say, hey, we are a serious wrestling show, which, you know, that's me holding out hope, but in terms of this angle, in terms of being a top-flight angle, and also give, you know, maybe then Dean Ambrose becomes more serious as opposed to prop comic Dean, as we've been complaining about. You know, that would have really given this some heft. So while we enjoyed this segment, while we enjoy the last, while we enjoy the, the lack of a chin lock on a guy, let's remember this is still professional wrestling and it still needs to build to have a big fight build. And this sacrifice of a geek to the main champion is a well-known historical storyline. Sam Houston used to be this guy in the NWA. That would have been perfectly fine with me. I would have loved to have seen AJ Styles turn on the meanness here. Um, that was my only real... And that came after reflection. I, didn't, I mean, if you heard me Tuesday on the show over at Fightful, I was, I was glowing in my praise for this, and I realized coming out of it, the old adage that funny don't make money, baby. And on a week where it was the anniversary of Dusty Rhodes' death, I think that's important to remember. Funny doesn't make money necessarily. It's entertaining for us as a product, as a brand, and it has a place in wrestling. It doesn't have a place at the top of the card. And eventually this Chris Jericho-Kevin Owens feud is going to turn on that. Hopefully. I think this was the point where we need the AJ Styles turn to badass beatdown guy as opposed to goofy soccer mom. Anywho, I have gone on much longer than I thought. I thought I was going to go half hour. It looks like I've gone about 45 minutes. I think that's good. This would be about the point where we would, uh, we would talk about the top 100 match, but uh, I don't want to do that because this was one of Rob's favorite matches, and uh, I want to talk about him with him and his memories of it. So for Shake Them Ropes... For Rob McCarron and Absentia, I am Jeff Hawkins. If you enjoyed this show, thank you. If you didn't enjoy the show, let me know what I can work on. Um, as I said, I'm not very good at doing solo shows, in my opinion, because I need someone to bounce ideas off of. That might be my improv background. Speaking of which, if you're listening to this and you've gotten all the way to the end, and I forgot to plug myself at the beginning, I am in Phoenix, Arizona tonight, Friday, 9 p.m., the Torch Theater as part of their uh, annual Ghost Fest, which does uh, two straight nights of improv for 24 hours. I'm going to be in other shows, but the one I'm plugging, Friday night, 9 p.m., The Torch Theater, Phoenix, Arizona. Come see me. I'm Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. All one word. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com. Join in the forums. Join in the conversation. And until next week, when hopefully Rob will be back, Although, it looks like he's going to be traveling, as he just texted me, for that big thing that I'm not allowed to talk about that he may not ever do. But hopefully he will be back or will be able to record in a hotel room. But for that, since I've extended this goodbye for long enough, good night. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? 
Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.